You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing today? Great, Dave. How about yourself? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. We're uh, sitting here recording a podcast going into the end of the year, and this will be the second one we'll have done that kind of talks about New Year's resolution material. That's right. After prediction season is uh, New Year's resolution season, right? Right, right, right. That's the, that's the way the financial planning calendar turns. This this topic is something you and I, I think, have talked around and about in every podcast we've done so far, because in financial planning, you just can't avoid it. That's right. You know, it's one of those things that uh, if you do it well, chances are you're going to have a lot of options and, and be in a pretty good spot financially. If you don't do it well, you're going to struggle. It just is the, the key that kind of unlocks all the other strategies. So we're going to talk about budgeting, the B word. That's right. The B word, everybody's favorite. Yep. So, and I actually, I stopped using budget for a long time and just started calling it cash flow because budget has this negative connotation to it, right? It's, it's all yeah. about, you know, what's your budget? Nobody likes doing yeah. it. And it's all about looking back and shaming yourself for all the bad decisions you made last month. It's the same psychology as dieting. I use this, I use this comparison all the time, but as human beings, we are not well programmed to think about the consequences of what we do today in terms of with dieting, you know, the the chocolate chip cookie tastes good right now. And I don't like to think about the fact that next summer I'm going to, you know, not want to take my shirt off at the beach because I ate too many chocolate chip cookies in January. Right. Exactly. Especially for uh, this generation now, right. That it's used to uh, anything they want. Amazon will bring it to them in an hour. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Bezos will have it at your door before, before the sun sets. And you can buy it online with a couple button clicks of your mouse or a finger punch on your phone. Yeah. And it, it, you know, for in a lot of ways, it's it's great, but on the it makes it way too easy to spend your money if you're not watching where it's going. You know, it's great if you have a budget and you're sticking into it. Then you know, things like one click shopping on Amazon makes sense if you can kind of know your limits and know where you're at. But um, if you mm-hmm. don't, if you don't have a budget, then you know, that can get out of hand real quick. And so today's podcast is all about getting started with a budget. So right, don't right. have to wait until January. You don't have to wait until for a New Year's resolution. You can do this any time of year. But a lot of people in January get serious about either starting or redoing their budget to make it a little bit more friendly and to work a little bit better for them. So a couple of things I like to point out to people right away when they're first getting started with this is first, there's, there's as many different budgeting systems out there as there are personality types. And don't get too caught up in whether you're doing it on a spreadsheet, a piece of um, legal pad paper, or a fancy computer program. Figure out something that works for you that you can stick with and run with it. You know, the most important part of the software, the tool that you choose is getting started, right? And so um, as a fellow fact finder, Dave, I'm sure that you can appreciate (laughs) that you could analyze these things to death and spend, you know, six months trying to figure out what the best one is. And the best thing for your budget is to just get started on anything, even if it's a piece of paper. And, And a lot of times a piece of paper is the best way to start because then you can 
figure out what you're going to put in. As my as my computer programming teacher taught me in seventh grade, garbage in, garbage out, right? Right, absolutely. It's only as good as what you tell it. So whatever method you choose, don't get too caught up in it. And the second step along those lines, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. You know, get started somehow. Don't worry about being precise at the beginning. You're going to get it wrong. Yeah, you know, and when I think about budgeting and I think about, you know, obviously getting started is important, but I love that, you know, not letting perfection get in your way because a couple of of realities are, number one, even if you worry to get it perfect, which you probably can't, it's going to change because everything's changing and especially in finances. So payments are going to change. Things are going to change. So the minute you get it perfect is when everything's going to change. When you're ready to start, when you figured out your your preferred method to try, you know, the first thing you got to do is get some data together, right? And, you know, for a lot of us, that means computer logins to our bank accounts and credit cards and billing systems. It may still mean paper statements. You know, everybody's different in that regard. Again, don't get hung up in how you do it so long as you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And and making sure that, you know, you're opening statements and, and if you have some sort of organization system, putting those into place or getting an organization system, um, but really having online access is the easiest way to get accurate, up-to-date information on a lot of that stuff. So if you haven't set up online access to some of the things, um, you know, whether it's credit cards or bank statements or utilities, getting access to those, because as those change, you're going to want access to be able to change your budget. Um, so making sure you have accurate, up-to-date numbers. Yeah. And then once you've got all that stuff handy, start by putting down your monthly income. Mm-hmm. Start with the positive. Figure out what you've got coming in on a monthly basis. Uh, you know, again, here's where a lot of people get hung up right from the start. If you have your regular income, you know, figure out a good working average or a low number that you're sure will will be there mm-hmm. and run with it. Yeah, I think that's a great point, you know, especially in this day and age, not everybody gets a equal payment, equal, you know. Mm-hmm bi-weekly or monthly or bi-monthly payment. And so if you have one of those situations where your income fluctuates, figuring out the best way to do that, whether it's averaging the cost, figuring out the way that works best for you. So an, an easy yeah, way, like yeah. you said, is, you know, taking the total yearly income that you anticipate and dividing it by 12. Um, mm-hmm. That's an easy way to get started. But if you have big swings in income from month to month, if you have a sales job or something like that, figuring out a system that's going to help you account for that when you're talking budget. You know, one one method I've used with a few clients who get annual bonuses is for, for regular budgeting purposes, we ignore the bonus and then use that to fund, assuming everything else has gone well. And, and covered, you know, if they can't count on their bonus, but they expect a bonus every February or March, that's when we sit down and look at, okay, you know, we, we got more than we expected or we got what we expected. Now we can set part of that aside for this goal or part aside for that goal. But we know on a monthly basis, their salary is covering, you know, the regular expenses. Yeah. It's much easier to spend the money after it comes in, then plan on it coming in and it not coming in. You already spent it, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Pretty, pretty sure we can, we can write that one in stone. Yeah. So, so once you figure out your income and have a, have a 
working knowledge of that. The next thing is to figure out what we like to call static obligations. Mm-hmm. And that's a fancy way of saying money you've already obligated to pay people. Yeah, I like so, to call it I like to call it their money because it's it's money that you're giving to somebody else. So you've already, you know, signed yeah. the contract. So it's already kind of set in stone. Um, yeah. But, you know, common things, mortgage payments, rent payments, insurance, mm-hmm. utilities, car payments. property taxes, car payments, all the stuff that you need to run your budget on a, on a regular basis. But also um, all that stuff that you have already kind of signed up for in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, you know what those payments are. They're, they're not going to surprise you. They're going to come out of the blue. It's a regular payment. It's not going to be Utilities. three times as much yeah. one month as it is other months. So, and another yeah. interesting thing, once you kind of have all those obligations and, and you figure it out, it's kind of neat to see, you know, in financial planning, we have ratios that we use and, and I'm not sure entirely how useful those are, but it is useful to figure mm-hmm. out, okay, I've got $2,000 a month coming in and I've got $1,500 a month going out in static obligations. And so figuring out how much you have that's already kind of been signed if versus how much you have coming in is really kind of eye-opening in terms of where you're at financially and the decisions that you can make down the road to kind of help improve that. And the lower that ratio, the more flexibility you have to overcome issues that you maybe didn't anticipate but also to uh, better plan your future, which we'll get to as we as we work through the budgeting steps. One one note I would add when we're talking about monthly bills and set expenses is uh, credit cards can kind of complicate how people think about their budget. And the way I like to approach that is if you've got credit card balances from the past, then paying those payments and getting that paid off needs to be part of that static expense. But that's different than if you are using a credit card to pay your monthly bills, but paying it all off at once at the end of the month. Right. And, and so you don't want to double count that. If you're, if you're paying your cell phone bill with your Visa card, but you're paying your Visa card off in full at the end of the month, you're just using the card as an expedient to get it done. You're not paying any interest. It's just an easy way to pay it. So that don't count that sort of credit card payment as part of your bills. Count count the cell phone payment that goes on the card. Yeah, that's a great point, Dave. And and I think, you know, another point to make on that is it, it makes sense. It's a good strategy to be able to use credit cards to pay regular bills like your Verizon bill, your cell phone bill. But it's only a good strategy if you are disciplined enough to pay it off. And, and right. to, to take a step back, the reason that you want to pay your bills on a credit card is a lot of times you'll get points for that. So you'll get money back for spending money on the things that you were going to spend money on anyways. The hard part of that is if you're not good at tracking it, if you're not disciplined on paying it off, then that all goes to waste, right? So you have to ask yourself before you're thinking about a strategy like that, am I the kind of person that's going to be real disciplined in what goes on this card and making sure it's paid off? Or am I the kind of person that is probably going to get away Away from yeah. me a little bit before you yeah. decide to make a strategy like that where you can take advantage of the points. And, and even though and financially it might make sense to take advantage of the points, if you can't do it and pay it off every month, then it's going to kind of right. go the wrong way on you pretty quickly. 
and, and be honest with yourself about this. You may have the best intentions going forward, but think about your past. And if there's any question of whether you're going to be tempted to let that credit card debt accumulate, use a debit card, use a check from the bank, use pennies in a sock. Yeah. Wait, wait till you know that you are in a position to keep that credit card balance down and at zero every month before you take that step. Yeah, because if nothing else, it complicates things, right? Because your right. you know your Verizon bills due in June, but if you put it on your credit card, you technically aren't paying it until July. And so there's some people that are really good and disciplined about stuff like that that still don't use that strategy because it doesn't fit yeah. what's best for them, even though they might be giving up one two percent in rewards points. At the end of the day, it's more about finding the system and setting up a system that's going to work for you, that's going to make it easy for you. Because if it's not then you're much less likely to stick to it, number one. But also, it's if it's not working for you, you're, it's probably going to be much easier to fall apart on you um, if you're not disciplined in it. The next step after you've figured out your static expenses, your, your obligations to other people that you've already made, is to take a look at your variable spending. And this, this can be a real bear for people, too, because, you know... It, it, and I'm sure you've had this happen a dozen times. You ask a client, a new client for their budget, and they'll tell you their set expenses. Right. But they have no idea how much they're spending on groceries or gas or, you know, going out to eat. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, so back to what we said in the beginning, don't get too hung up at being perfect. Take a look at the last couple of months history. Not every month is going to be the same. Come up with a good average for what you spend on groceries, what you spend on gas. Add 20 bucks to it if you're worried that it's that it's not right. And see how you do for a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I think you're so right. You know, when people come in and, you know, they know exactly what their car and mortgage payment is and, and you're looking at their budget and you're going, right. wow, looks like you got, you know, $1,500 a month extra. <laughs> they go, oh, really? Because we never feel like we have any money left. Right. <laughs> and our, right, account, our savings right. not growing. Right. So where's the disconnect, right? And right. so, you know, I think you're right. Don't overthink it too much. Kind of give yourself a, a baseline, but find a system. And, and we keep talking about having a system, but find a system that works for you to track that in terms of, you know, maybe not necessarily down to every penny that you spend on gasoline because it's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to change, but find something that works for you. Find a, a stop point. And so one of the things that we recommend doing for our clients is figure out what that, you know, what those things are. So it's, it's gas and groceries and dining mm-hmm. out and give yourself a weekly budget. Say, okay, I'm going to spend $200 a week on these things and even go as far as taking it out in cash because there's some psychology behind how much you, you know, the of spending cash versus swiping a card. Um, mm-hmm. And so take it out in cash and try it for a couple months of, okay, am I, do I have, I have $200 to spend and see how that goes. Is it too much? Is it not yeah. enough? Is it the right amount? And get used to that kind of thought process. And, and that works really well for people who 
don't track those things because number one, you don't really have to track it down to the penny because you got the cash and you know exactly what your stopping point is. Mm -hmm. But what's also really fascinating to me is I tend to be the type of person that likes to save money and is not very good at spending money. I struggle spending money. And so, but if you give me a hundred dollars and say, this is for spending, it's much easier for me psychologically to go out and spend it on things like, you know, getting a coffee or something like that, which I found very surprising when I started doing that for myself. And maybe that's not the exact system for you, but something along those lines where it works for you. Um, It doesn't have to be perfect. You're never going to get a hundred percent right down to the penny, but start figuring out kind of where you're at with that, know what a stopping point is. So you know that if you hit this certain point, you're going to have to have some, you know, some soul searching or do some different things around figuring that out. I'm a little different in that because of the way I do my budget, and I should say right up front, budgeting doesn't come naturally to me. Neither does dieting. Most people would know that about me, (laughs) but you know, it's not, it doesn't come naturally to me, but having started it several years ago, the peace of mind, switch when I did have to spend money or even to, to your point, spending money on things I wanted to spend was easier, but also there wasn't that sense of panic when, oh my gosh, you know, I need new tires. I had planned on getting new tires. Oh wait, I have money in my, you know, car maintenance budget to cover that. I'm okay. Right. And it was just, a, you know, it's, it's a huge relief when you get to that. It takes work to get to that point. But when you get to that point, it's a whole different feeling when those budget items come up. And one thing we we kind of skipped over when we were talking about static expenses, we should probably talk about at least a little bit, and this comes in variable spending too, is what used to always trip me up were those semi-annual or quarterly bills. Mm-hmm. You know, the monthly bills were easy, right? I knew what my mortgage payment was. I knew what my car payment was. We were in good shape. Hey, we went out to eat. We did these fun things. And then all of a sudden, the car insurance bill shows up. Right. Oh, crud. Is that my turn to pay that, honey, or yours? Because <laughs> I didn't budget for it, right? Yeah. And so what you want to do with those, get those out at the same time you're doing your full budget, even if it's not in a particular month. Divide it by, if it's a, if it's an annual bill, divide it by 12. If it's a quarterly bill, divide it by three. Figure out what that monthly amount is and build that into your budget so that every month you're saving for that because that is an obligation you're going to have to meet. And if, you, if you're putting 50 bucks away towards a $150 a quarter bill, that's not such a big deal then when that bill arrives. Absolutely. You know, I, I completely agree. And, and even I go as far as having separate accounts for that. So I know that, okay, this is my car insurance fund. Mm-hmm. And I have a separate savings account and they actually, my credit union lets me label car insurance. So I know exactly where that is and exactly where it's coming out of. Um, because what I found myself personally is when I put everything into one account, one kind of emergency fund, and I was constantly taking it out for things that I didn't weren't really necessarily emergencies. I was like, you know, this doesn't feel great either. And so it's it's you know, but some people are fine with having it all in one you know fund and and kind of accounting for it on their own. But again, it goes back to what works for you because if if you do it the way that I do it, it's probably not going to work for you. Right. And and uh, to that point, you know, that is one one method is to create separate accounts. I, I I've even had clients that made sure they used different banks for certain things so that they had to actually go to the <laughs> bank and get a cashier's check to put into their, right. you know. There so, you, you know, again, whatever works for you. For me, I have two accounts. I have a checking account and a savings account. 
but I use a computer program that breaks those accounts into separate accounts on my computer screen so that I, mm-hmm. I may have X dollars in my savings account, but I know that one third of that is my emergency fund and $500 to that is my, I'm going to need new tires next fall fund. It does that for me. So there's a lot of different ways. Again, find, find your method. We've, we've, we've tried most of them. So talk to us and, uh, We'll um, we'll post a few links in the show notes to different different programs you can try and different tools. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot out there, so um, don't be yeah. overwhelmed, but also you know try out a few so that you can figure out what's yeah. going to work best for you. Yeah, yeah, and and there'll be there'll be something for everyone out there if you look around. That's so true. once you got your static expenses down and your variable spending down, there's still another broad category. Uh, budgeting to cover, but I've always thought that that was a good point to sit down and kind of take a look at where you're at. Absolutely. You know, um, are you, when you, when you add up your static expenses and your average variable expenses, are you net positive for the month? Are you breaking even or do you have a deficit? Right. And, yeah. and even to go one step further, do you have way more that you you know that you're not spending that you could potentially be spending right you know there's some right. people that flow the opposite way where they're quite frankly not spending enough true yeah and uh because because they haven't right about what a safe amount of spending is. exactly and yep so sometimes this can this can work this can work in a positive way in that sense but once you once you kind of got a handle on you know positive negative or break even you know, if you're negative, that's when you need to start looking at those spending levels and seeing what you can change. Yeah. And figuring out kind of what your habits are. And, and now that you have mm-hmm. a good idea of where things are going, kind of sitting back and asking yourself the question, why? Right. Right. Why right. am I spending so much in this category? And is that where I want to be spending? You know, we can, you can right. always tell what's important to you by where you spend your money. Right, right. Yeah, I, I've always said, you know, show me, show me your budget, and I'll tell you what your priorities are. And uh, it, it really does show show where the rubber meets the road for most people. Right, and you and what you really want, where most people fall victim, is they don't, their priorities of where they're spending money don't necessarily match up with where they want to spend money. And right. so having right. that conversation and and internally and also, you know, with your spouse or your family about what's important to you and where you want to be spending yeah. money and what you're actually doing right now. Well, that, that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from Carl Richards, who's, you know, kind of the, uh, the guru in a way of, of personal financial planning. And, you know, he said that, you know, budgeting, budgeting is, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he basically says budgeting is great and doing what Nick and I are talking about here is, is really a good way to go. But really what would count is just if everybody stopped at the cash register for just a second and said to themselves, hmm, I'm about to spend $4 on a latte. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, just, just be more mindful. Just, just right. stop for a second before you hand the card over, hand the $5 bill over, just think about what you're doing. Because you'll start reflecting on whether that your subconscious will work on that and just help you, you know, not do things mindlessly, which is we, we live in a world where it's really easy to spend money and get yeah. easier every day. So I've always thought that was interesting that like his, his philosophy is 90% of it is just being cognizant of what you're doing 
will right. help solve the problem. Absolutely. And I, and I think that flows both ways too, right? Like if you're going to buy a latte because you're going to go hang out with your friends, uh, which, yeah. you know, it's hard to do right now, but at some point you'll right. be able to go have a latte with your friends. <laughs> and, and if that's super important to you, that's your time to connect. And that's $4 sure. that you mean you might spend $40 on a latte yeah. and still not feel bad about it. But if you're just going through the drive through because you don't have anything else to do because you're bored or you're just getting from point A to point B and you need some caffeine, maybe yeah. that isn't the best way to spend your $4. So, so I'm going to, I mean, it, this may seem like a digression, but it's to your point, I think, you know, the, here we are, we're in the middle of the COVID lockdowns right now and we can't go out to eat, at least not the way we could 18 months ago, 12 months ago, even. I always have felt guilty about how much Amy and I spend going out to eat. Mm. Okay. It's a big part of our budget. We make it work, but I always kind of feel like, like I've always in the past felt we spent too much on that. But now that we kind of have this situation where that's been taken away. Yeah. I don't feel bad about that anymore Wow, because that's one of those things that now I know I can, I can look at that on my budget and I can say, that's something that, you know, we got value out of beyond the food. Yeah. You know, absolutely. That's wonderful. So, and I would, I would say too, um, to your point, and we kind of beat this down a little bit, but if you're doing a budget, right, you shouldn't feel bad about spending money. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, right, right, right. And it's not, none of this is meant to, meant to be a punishment or a, or a guilt thing. Right. It's, it's it's about figuring it out and just being just being conscious of it. Yeah, and spending so money on things that are important to you, like in, right. you know eating out or whatever it is. If that's what's important, making sure you have the money that you want to be able to spend on those things. I mean, that's you can't get more important than that. Right, right. So once you've gone through these things and you've totaled everything up and you've seen where you stand. If you've got to make adjustments to make it work, then then you kind of know what you need to do. Go back and start thinking through the lattes and the you know start with the low hanging fruit. And and keep in mind too, some of this might be temporary, right? Yeah. You may need to you may need to adjust your budget down to get to a certain level to get some things accomplished. But you may be able to go back to the four dollar late day lattes. Once you know you've got your contingency fund saved up, once you know, you know, your retirement savings is on track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, and I think too, to that point, um, having those conversations around those things are extremely important too, especially if you have kids and they don't need to necessarily mm-hmm. know like the ins and outs of your budget per se, or what, you know, mom and dad are doing, but they, you know, having conversations with them about, Hey, we're not going to go out to eat as much anymore because we want to be able to do this as a family, take a vacation or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I think that's a good positive reinforcement that will help serve them long-term because like it or not, good, bad, or indifferent, your kids are going to learn their money spending habits from you because nobody's (laughs) teaching it to them in school and they're not picking it up anywhere else. They're going to pick it up from you. So the more you can reinforce the good parts of, you know, having a budget or cutting back on something so that you can have something else, um, you know, is super important for their development as well. So we're left with what we like to call dynamic spending or dynamic savings. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The fun part. This is the fun part, right? You did all that work on figuring out, you know, what your obligations were and, and kind of containing or curtailing that uh, weekly spending on the variable stuff. And now you really get to figure out, okay, this is what we have left over and this is what we're going to save towards the things that are most important to us, right? So whether that's vacation, whether it's, you know, home improvements, whether it's, you know, a new car that you want to buy, whatever those things are that are most important to you, making that a goal of, okay, we want to save X amount for this purpose this year and back that in. So, you know, let's say it's $1,200 that you want to save for, um, you know, home improvements, we'll call it. And so you take a hundred dollars mm-hmm. a month and put it into that specific, I do it in specific savings account, but you can do it in one general account. So in, in budget for it, where you know that $1,200 of this is for this purpose. You can, you can also see how, as you build up certain parts of your savings, you get to a certain point, you don't need to, you know, you've got the, the vacation covered, you've got car maintenance covered. Then you can redirect that to something else until you spend some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of being aware of where those levels are and where you want them to be and making them kind of work for you. Um, and, and, you know, another one that we haven't really talked about, but it is very important as well, is just an emergency fund for things that happen that you're not prepared for because inevitably those things will happen that you haven't planned for. You can't see into the future and plan for everything. So it's much easier to take funds out of an emergency fund because your water heater blew out um, that you weren't, that you didn't plan on for a couple of years than it is to have to unfortunately take that out of your vacation fund or, or something else that you have planned that's important to you. And so having an emergency fund is also a, a key tool in making your budget work for you. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit, but, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those necessary, uh, necessary parts of the equation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you, what you don't want to do and, and kind of the, the reason to set up a system like this is where you, where you have those dynamic savings is if you do come into a situation where you have to, or you're discussing whether or not you should spend money over and above what you budgeted. If you have an option to not do that or do that, now we're having that conversation around, okay, where is this money going to come from, right? We we laid out our budget, we talked about it, and now we have this expense that we you know, could take on. Let's say it's a new car debt um, or a new car. Do we want to take that out of the vacation fund and not go on vacation this year? Do we want to take it out of the home improvement fund and, and maybe put off that home improvement project? So now we're having that, we're forcing ourselves to have that conversation around what's most important to us, as opposed to just going out and doing something and then figuring out how it plays in later on down the road. Right. 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 Well, the money's gone. I guess we're not doing anything else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I think we could probably talk for hours on this. And uh, yeah. there's all kinds of different systems and approaches. I, I think I think this gives folks a pretty good overview. Um, we'll post some, uh, some links with the uh, blog article that goes with this podcast on our website. So if you uh, want to try any, any of those tools out, we'll, uh, we'll have them available. And then Always uh, reach out to us if there's anything we can help you with. Yeah, absolutely. And don't, you know, if if you need help and something, if this is something that you've struggled with and you really feel like you need help, feel free to reach out to us or reach out to a financial planner around you that can really help you 
um, set a system up that works for you. You know, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. It's not, you know, budget seems simple, uh, but I guarantee I, I can tell you from vast experience, it's not always simple and it's not always easy, especially if it's something mm-hmm. that you don't do well. It's not kind of one of your your areas of expertise. Um, you reach out for help. So that's probably one of the best yeah. things that you could do is ask for professional help. And don't, don't be, don't be embarrassed about it. No, don't, don't feel guilty about it because we've all, we've all been there. We've all struggled with different aspects of this. And, uh, and it's a lot of times it's more of a mental barrier than anything. For sure. Good stuff, Dave. All right. Yeah. Well, enjoy the, uh, the new year and the weekend and I will talk to you later. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.